0: Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is Yeah.
1: This is outrageous. This is contagious. Sorry, I, I didn't see you. Look, straight at me. Must get injured. Well, y- you should be more careful, you jizz cock. What? You could have had my legs off, you piss kidney
2: so hey everybody, welcome to the El Dude Brothers Podcast, episode twenty two, Sophie's Parents. My name is Sean, and my favorite flavor of jam is Trump Impeachment Tangerine.
3: Hi yeah, my name's Laura and my favorite flavor of jam is blackcurrant Brexit.
2: Yeah, how are you doing today, Laura?
3: Yeah, not too bad. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. Um excited to get into series four. I know that you really love Series Four.
3: I do, I'm very excited to start talking about Series Four.
2: You know, I was really surprised when i looked at the start date of series 4 because it was actually in the spring and i think this is the first time we've had a like a spring season of of peep show
3: yeah so there were like 18 months between series 3 and 4 i think there was maybe some question if it was going to come back so it was very exciting when it did
2: yeah I, I actually looked at the gap between seasons and between series 1 and 2 it was about about a year it was 385 days uh, series 2 and 3 was a little less at 329 days, but Series 3 and 4, almost 500 days. So, mm. Yeah, no, I a...
3: definitely think there was a question mark over this being recommissioned, so I'm really glad it was.
2: Yeah, my life had changed so much since the end of Series 3 and the start of Series 4. How about you?
3: Oh, really? Yeah, mine massively. What happened to you?
2: Well, I had gone from pretty much having a stable job in the military to... Being on my last, you know, few months of being in the military, um, I was getting ready to go back home and start going to school again and start my whole life outside of the military.
3: Yeah, my life had changed massively as well. Uh, This started airing just as I was trying to write my dissertation for my degree, which was on religion and religious iconography in the work of Charlotte Bronte, which pretty dry. So it was nice to have Peep Show in the background to keep me going. I'd just broken up as well with uh, my first love, who I was still tearfully calling the love of my life over wine, and <laughs> I was acting i was acting like a bit of a lunatic, I burnt all his stuff they'd ever given me in a bin, I contemplated sending in the ashes, I was drinking too much, I was generally being a nutter, and I'd impulse bought a cat as well, so this was a turbulent time for me.
2: Was this the infamous superhands cat?
3: No, this was uh, Oscar, who is still with us, but he lives with my mom and dad. He's an elderly cat now.
2: It's weird because 2007 was when I was starting to really get back into a lot of shows, and I was really kind of in tune with what was popular with people on the internet, so I'm really shocked that I still, at this point, had not heard of the series.
3: To be fair, there were a lot of people in Britain that hadn't heard (laughs) of it at this point as well, I think, so I think you're fine.
2: Yeah, I don't know where I would have heard of the show anyways, because it's not like I was like super in tune with, with British sitcoms.
3: No, like I say, even people in Britain weren't watching it really, so it wasn't until kind of season five that it started to get to the point where it was being talked about more.
2: So at this point, it still really wasn't that popular of a show?
3: No, no, it was still pretty niche. I would say it wasn't until, and we talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago, because the um, the I got in touch with us, didn't they? It wasn't really until they burnt that dog, <laughs> that the people were starting to talk about it. And I'd say season five was when it started to get a bigger um,
2: viewership. Wow, that's crazy. So it was, it was them burning and eating the dog that kind of catapulted the show into any sort of popularity? Yeah,
3: I think so. I think it was, um, at this point, I was still telling people about it. By season five, everyone seemed to know about it.
2: Well, that's good to know, because uh, it looks like, I believe, between series four and series five, there was also another decent sized gap between episodes
3: there was i think there was it was it wasn't quite as long as this one but i think it was about 14 or 15 months yeah.
2: and it just kind of seems like that they as the series went on they would just you know whenever they were ready to do a new season is when they would do it
3: yeah i mean look at the gap between eight and nine i think there was nearly was there two more than two maybe three years between like two and a half years between that, and I really thought it wasn't coming. Yeah, back.
2: I, it was easily two and a half to three years between series mm. eight and nine.
3: Yeah, I know that when it, when eight went off, I was still living in a flat with Phil. We weren't married. We didn't have any children. And by the time season nine came on, we were living in our next house, had a baby, and were married. So there was there was definitely a, a sizable gap there. Yeah.
2: Um. I really did not remember much of this episode and I was telling my wife about this in fact that I only really remembered some of the key points and forgot about some of the the finer points and um, so watching this episode back again was a little bit of a treat because if left to my own devices, this is not one that I would, you know, just be like, oh, I want to watch Sophie's Parents.
3: I remember really enjoying this and it was as funny as I remembered, but Mark was more of a dick than I recalled, which uh, we'll talk about later on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't really ever thought about that before, but like you said, we'll get into that later. I really enjoyed doing backcast last week, and uh, it seems like people enjoyed backcast, so that's nice.
3: Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed this week's episode as well, so I'm really looking forward to talking to you about it next week, once season, um, once episode four has aired, and we've got two episodes to talk about.
2: Yeah, this, this season, there was some... or this season, geez, this episode that just aired, episode three, had a lot of, I felt, plot development so yeah
3: yeah it's moving forward i'm intrigued to see what happens next
2: yeah but you'll just have to wait till next week to find out what kind of plot development happened unless you've been watching it and then you already know so whatever (laughs) yeah Yeah. anyways uh show series four episode one sophie's parents yes we start off with mark and sophie they are at some sort of department store i just put nordstrom's because that's the only thing i could really think of but it's probably not even like a nordstrom's it's probably like a jc or sears or something like that yeah
3: i don't know what nordstrom's is our main department stores are john lewis and debenhams i think that looks like a debenhams i actually when i saw your notes i went back to the first scene to see if there were any clues but there weren't
2: yeah like i said i didn't really know what business it was so i just kind of put down whatever came to my head at yeah. first yeah so it, um in my binge oh. watching, when I went from, you know, uh, Quan talking to this episode, it was like thirty seconds between episodes. So I was, you know, a little shocked when marks when Mark came on and he had like a goatee. Was that at all, as like, whoa, to you when? Yeah, the you were whole the whole establishing
3: it? scene was shocking for me watching it. I remember being really shocked that he had the beard, really shocked that he was going to marry her, really shocked to that. He was going through with it and just thinking he was a stone cold maniac.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was one of those things where I was I was watching it and I was like, "Oh, okay, Mark's gone full. You know, he's diving headfirst into this thing." And it made me feel very optimistic for the two of them. Um, that was crushed by the end of this episode, but yeah, they
3: look lovely together. I thought that. I thought Sophie looked really radiant. She's got a lovely. Her hair's beautiful. It's not as insane as it was last series i quite like mark's beard i quite like that beard on him and i thought yeah like you say hmm they look like a handsome couple
2: yeah sophie looks like she's kicked the drugs
3: yep yep clear skinned got a lovely coat on
2: yeah and uh they are just they're shopping they're probably doing their their wedding registry and mark is just like how the fuck did it come to this <laughs> I'm getting married <laughs> yeah. to a woman I may not love, and I've got stupid fashionable hair all over my face, which really made me laugh considering what he's rocking in back.
3: Yeah, I think the goatee's better than what he's rocking in back, actually. Although beards are having a moment, aren't they? Maybe they weren't in 2007.
2: Uh, I think this was kind of the start of like the, the hipster beard trend.
3: Mm, yeah. But obviously, like you say, he's thinking about the fact that he doesn't really want to get married, so 20 seconds in, we know he might be getting married, but he's not into it.
2: Yeah um Sophie is they're they're discussing like sugar bowls and Mark wants to get kind of this plain Jane sugar bowl but Sophie wants to get this like black sugar bowl that has like fucking dots and weird colors all over it and um you know they're they're still you know uh discussing sugar bowls and Mark just finally relents and is like okay we can get the sugar bowl you want
3: yeah um I didn't even think that that either sugar bowl was particularly nice. I think there are better sugar bowls out there. We were bought a sugar bowl for our wedding, and it was in the shape of a strawberry. Much more exciting. They're shit sugar bowls, so not even worth the argument, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, well, Nicole and I had a really good time when we were doing our registry because we weren't. We went to Target, and they just gave us like a little scan gun, and then okay,
3: yeah, I've heard of this.
2: Yeah, and then we just like went fucking bananas, just like scanning like whatever sort of crazy shit we wanted.
3: We didn't have a wedding list, so it was we didn't do that. But I know people that have.
2: Yeah, it was fun. I'll be honest. Outside of getting married, the registry was probably the fun, like scanning the stuff for the registry was probably the second <laughs> funnest thing about getting married.
3: I know someone who got divorced very swiftly after getting married. It was all a bit of a disaster, but she still maintains that the doing the wedding list was 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 the most fun you can you can have, even if you're marrying someone who's a total dickhead. <laughs>
2: Uh, I had a friend like that too, so don't yeah, worry.
3: yeah. Um, it's established here that Mark is about to meet Sophie's parents for the first time. Yeah, and um, it's going to be Sophie's birthday.
2: Yep. Sophie wants to buy him some, wants to buy him a new outfit. Mark is just like, oh, you know, I've already got three pairs of trousers and loads of shirts, and um, Sophie just is like, oh, well, I w- just want you to get something new that goes with your beard. And Mark is just like, motherfucker. <laughs>
3: Yeah, she calls it his new look and she's obviously trying to um change him into her vision of what a husband should be.
2: Yeah. Um she holds up a shirt of uh that has Chairman Mao on it, and Mark is just like, Do you know who that is? And she's like, Yeah, that's Chairman Mao and Mark's like, He killed sixty million people. He's a he's a tyrant. I don't want him on my shirt and she goes, Oh well, you know, that's not as many as Stalin, and he just looks at at Sophie, and he's like, "It's not a fucking competition." <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and he says, "Although if it were, Mal would probably win." <laughs> um, I enjoy this bit a lot, although I don't actually think there's any department store that would put Chairman Mao on t-shirt. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't know either. But there's, I mean, on the
3: internet, you can definitely buy that, but that's not going to be in Debenhams.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, Mark also looks at his this jacket that has a zipper on it that just. Has a zipper on it for no discernible reason other than it just has a zipper. And
3: I put in my notes in brackets like all women's clothes. Then this isn't even news if you've ever worn like a woman's coat or anything. They've all got pockets that aren't really pockets. So actually, Mark should feel lucky that most of his pockets are real.
2: Yeah, uh, I always think that that's one advantage that men have over women is that we have way more access to pockets than <laughs> you guys do.
3: Yeah, there's no pockets on women's clothes. It's very odd.
2: And then, uh, Mark refuses to wear the jacket just on the basis that it's got a, it, you know, it's got this zipper on it and then he's he thinks to himself, you know, let's just put a zipper there, swastika there. I really enjoyed this scene and you can definitely see that Sophie has some different ideas for Mark than what Mark has for himself. She's,
3: she's certainly, more, she's, it's clear she's much more vacuous than he is. I think that's become, becoming obvious for maybe the first time. We know that she's not as serious as he is, but... She just comes across like an idiot here.
2: It, again, it's really weird for me that they're even in this relationship because Mark is obviously not the kind of person she wants to be with. So why is she giving this relationship so much time?
3: Well, I guess as Mark thinks later on, her biological clock is ticking. I think that's probably what
2: it's to do with. But she's young. I mean, her. I mean, she's probably what thirty.
3: I don't know. Harold was Olivia Coleman here. I would put her more towards her late thirties, but I might be doing her an injustice. Let me have a look and see how old she was. I know that they met at university, so she can't have been miles and miles older than them. Um, she was born in 1974, so at this point, she would have been 33, 4, 5, 6, 7, 33. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah, you're right. I don't know.
2: Uh, yeah it's just it's it's funny to me um anyway so next scene we have jeremy and hands watching tv um as we talked about before for the most part this show is kind of timeless in the fact that it doesn't really um you know root itself in any one particular time frame but this episode certainly did with jeremy and hands watching blair's retirement on tv um did blair's retirement come as a surprise or was it you know, did people know it was coming?
3: No, it was heavily orchestrated. So um, Tony Blair was in office for 10 years and basically because he's a megalomaniac, he couldn't, um, I don't think he could bear the idea of being voted out of office. So he decided, he'd always said he was going to do 10 years and then step down so that he could orchestrate his own legacy, I think. So it was was something that had been talked about ever since the election a couple of years before. We were sort of in no grey areas that he was going to step down. There was plenty of notice. I think he announced it a few months before it happened and he was going to hand over to the then chancellor, who was Gordon Brown. It was a really weird time in this country. I think that to a certain extent, we genuinely couldn't imagine life without Tony Blair, whether you liked him or not, he'd become such a massive part of the national consciousness. Um, So it was a big, it was a really big deal. And no matter what side of the political spectrum you fell on, it was certainly a strange time.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. And this was also just kind of a weird time for the world in general, 2007. Um, was, it, if he had run for a, another term, do you think he would have been elected or do you think he was, because of the Iraq war, he was uh, unelectable?
3: I don't know. He'd got in in 2005 on the back of the Iraq war and I think even Gordon Brown would have won that election if he called it there and then in 2007. I don't think that Labour's star was waning but I don't think it was David Cameron at that point looked like an absolute joke there was no chance of him being elected I don't think so I think actually Tony Blair could have gone on for a bit longer I think he would have eventually been voted out if there'd been an election in 2010 I think he might have eventually then gone out of office later on sort of 2011 2012 but he was never prepared to go that far um it, yeah I don't know I don't know I think he could have gone on for a bit longer. Whilst the Iraq war definitely was a blot on his character, he wasn't universally hated by any stretch.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just kind of I was just kind of wondering about that because they make kind of a it Blair's resignation is kind of a, a theme throughout this episode, so I didn't know if it just yeah. kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah.
3: I definitely think it was a weird, weird thing in Britain and it was a weird it was a weird cultural phenomenon. I just started going out with an absolute raving Tory at this point with raving Tory parents, and they threw this champagne and barbecue night. On the night that he left office, <laughs> and I, refu- I refused to attend on principle, and um, he never let me forget it. He held it against me for the rest of our relationship.
2: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, they wonder, Jeremy and Hans kind of wonder what Tony, uh, what Blair's going to do now that he's left office, and Hans wonders if he's going to become an ethical porn star, or uh, uh, Jez posits that they he might form a supergroup with uh, Clinton and Bono.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah and uh, Hans says that Gel- Geldof would hate that Geldof's gonna shit but it's
2: really made me laugh uh, you'll have to explain that one I didn't
3: oh so Bob Geldof um, he is you know Live Aid oh
2: the yeah he's yeah, like a he's that producer, guy he's right?
3: the, he was in the boontown Rats. Um, he was the lead singer of them but he's most notable for being a human humanitarian and for organising Live Aid and, and all of that
2: oh okay okay that makes, that makes sense because I felt like that geldorf was familiar i just couldn't um i just couldn't put my finger on where i would have heard that name before
3: yeah yeah yeah
2: um mark walks into this scene and he's got his overcoat on jeremy is kind of wearing this green hoodie in the scene and it has some sort of logo on it i couldn't really it says ghetto on it or something i couldn't really yeah tell. it's
3: like ghetto and like a, a year i had a look but it wasn't it wasn't important i don't think it wasn't like there was no motto yeah
2: but Mark takes off his overcoat to reveal that he is wearing the exact same hoodie. Oh my god. You wa-
0: why are you wearing
1: that? <laughs> Sophie bought it for me and I decided to wear it at home. How funny. It's not funny, Mark. It's not funny at all. Take it off. Take
0: it off right now. What? Why? Just take it off. We'll talk about why after you've taken it off.
1: What's wrong with us wearing the same clothes? Are you embarrassed that we're... No, not that. Just... You know, we're clashing. We're not clashing. We're matching. That's the opposite of clashing.
0: It's exactly the fucking same as clashing, all right? Just take it off. No, it's new.
2: I'm I'm wearing it in. All right, fine. If you're taking this
0: down to the wire, fine.
2: I blink. You win, Okay. (laughs) Uh, This part is... This is just, it's so funny watching Mark try to be, like, cool and hip, but not really understanding why Jeremy is, well, I mean, I guess he does understand why Jeremy is so upset about it, but, yeah. Yeah,
3: I really hate here, though, how Mitchell pronounces Clashin'. He pronounces it sort of wrong, and it makes my teeth itch every time. I can't watch it without kind of cringing a little bit.
2: How does he pronounce it?
3: I don't know, he sort of puts it, I don't know, it, it's sort of like, it's really hard to describe without seeing it but the, the, obviously we've just heard it. It sort of sounds like he's sort of swallowed his words a little bit and they should have reshot it, but they thought they could get away with it is what I was thinking. It just oh, it grates on me. I'll
2: have to watch that. I'll have to watch yeah, that Yeah, it's again. horrible.
3: It's, it's horrible. Maybe you only notice it if you've got an English accent. Maybe that's just how you think English people speak, but <laughs> it, defi- it definitely isn't. Definitely isn't. Oh, it's horrible. It's irrational, but it really bothers me.
2: We also find out that that jeremy has been that sophie invited jeremy to go with them to her parents house it's
3: a bit weird isn't
2: it well initially i thought it was and it, even in my notes i wrote like why the hell did he get an invite but of course by the end of the episode we understand why he got the invite
3: yeah yeah i suppose that's true but it's still a little bit strange
2: yeah it is really weird um Jer- he says
3: he can't come. Yeah,
2: he says he can't come because he's got a busy weekend and Mark is just like, carton of Mars bars, a small bag of marijuana, and a bootleg DVD of Anchorman is not important. You know, I need you to come yeah. with me.
3: It's a, it's a great line because that is precisely how all Jeremy's weekends are, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, although it's probably not a small bag of marijuana, it's probably a substantially size. <laughs> Quite sized, a big one. Yeah. yeah. yeah, With probably some pills or something <laughs> else. Poppers, yeah. Poppers,
3: he talks about, doesn't he? in a previous
2: episode yeah um jeremy again so there's a kind of a theme with this episode where every other character every other male character is trying to just basically confront mark about getting married to sophie and yeah and so that's kind of the running theme um mark just kind of represses his feelings about this. And Jeremy just asks Mark if he's going to bury them until they bury his feelings, until they erupt in a massive stroke. And then he has to carry him back on his back <laughs> for 30 years. And Mark lies to Jeremy and says that, you know, when I told you that, um, you know, when I told you that before, I really hadn't thought about it, but I've kind of had a change of heart and, you know, I want to get married to Sophie now.
3: I really this really made me laugh because I've mentioned this before on air I think that I nearly married someone who I shouldn't definitely shouldn't have been married and definitely shouldn't have been engaged to and several times my close friends tried to bring up with me that hey you didn't like him hey what are you doing and every time it would just be like look look we all say things in the heat of the moment I know when I was pissed up that time I said I didn't love him and he made my skin crawl but That was just, that was wine talk, and, you know, don't hold that against me. So I really, really laughed at Mark's uh, rebuttal that he, it was pop talk.
2: Yeah, Um, and uh, he says that, you know, Sophie is dragging him into the 21st century with meaningless logos and veneration of tyrants, and I thought that that was kind of funny because of stuff going on currently, the veneration of tyrants, that is.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and it's certainly true of their relationship that, Mark is in about 1956 I think at this point that's where his social social manners are so Sophie would be dragging him into the 21st century he needs dragging him into the 21st century
2: Yeah um uh, we see uh next scene we we get to Sophie's parents house and I I don't know about you I fucking love Sophie's parents
3: Yes they're brilliant um Paul Clayton who plays uh Sophie's dad is particularly brilliant and he is hilarious in him and her which if you've never seen you you must watch he's in the last two series and he's just brilliant he plays a completely different not completely different he's quite Ian-ish but it turns out that he's uh, a closet homosexual <laughs> who is um he's in love with one of the main characters who's like 30 years younger than him and it's, he plays it absolutely brilliantly
2: I'm sorry I I had missed it which show are you talking about
3: It's called Him and Her. It was on BBC Three. It's all on Netflix, I think, or at least it's on the British Netflix. And it stars, um, oh, what is his name, Russell Tovey, who has been in loads of things, but he was in an American show called, what was it called? It was about a group of gay guys. I think you probably know his face if you saw it. He was in The History Boys as well.
2: Oh, Looking is what it's called.
3: Oh, Looking, yeah, he was great in that.
2: Yeah, I never, I've, I've never watched this. Although I have seen the Doctor Who episode that he was in.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he was in Doctor. Oh, Who. Oh, I guess
2: he's been in a couple. I guess he's been in a couple Doctor Who episodes. I have seen both of them, yes. though.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's he, he's one of those people that definitely you know he's been in loads of stuff.
2: Yeah. Holy cow! I'm looking at his, at his disco, or his filmography and.
3: He's the him, in it, and uh, Sarah Suleiman, I think, is her name. She's the her. And, they, um, and they've got a cast of family and friends. And uh, yeah, and Paul Clayman, Clayton sorry, plays uh, the love interest of uh, one of their brothers-in-law.
2: Oh, that sounds, that sounds pretty funny.
3: It's really good. It is really, really funny. Uh, you'd like it, I'm sure.
2: Um, but we also, so we have Ian Chapman, who's played by Paul Clayton. Um, we also have Penny Chapman, who's played wonderfully by Cheryl Campbell. Although I don't know anything else that she's in.
3: No, I've never seen her in anything else, I don't think.
2: Yeah, but she's she really knocks it out of the park as Penny. And then I forgot to look up who played Jamie, but this is the only episode that he's in. And
3: so Jamie was actually sort of semi-famous at this time. He was, um, his real name is, or his real stage name is Joe Van Moyland. And he was in a band called Jolene and the Jing Jang Jong, who had this major, like, mega indie hit. In about 2007, but then they failed to ever release their, their album that was meant to be amazing, and he's all disappeared into obscurity. He was in the Tudors as well for a little while.
2: Oh, that's really funny. Jamie Jamie is a very underrated character in, in this episode, and it's kind of sad that you, you really never see him again.
3: No, I assume they wanted him back for season five, episode one, because barney the cousin is a very similar character isn't he
2: yeah uh that was one but, I, but that was one thing i always keep forgetting that barney and jamie are actually two different characters
3: i'm pretty sure they were written for the same person i'm pretty sure that must have originally been jamie yeah
2: i'm sure they were too because it mm. yeah barney is essentially jamie anyways
3: it becomes obvious why jess has been invited doesn't it to the weekend yeah
2: um penny compliment uh, so as they're kind of mark is meeting the parents penny compliments mark on his beard and sophie says that they're like thinking of cropping his hair short and um
3: which would look great that would really work
2: yeah uh mark is really awkward with penny and he tells penny that she's very attractive and then he's like oh really attractive that's great what are you going to tell her next she's got lovely tits and
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a very funny funny bit and he then asks sophie how he's doing and she says to relax they like you and he asked jess and jess just says seven out of ten
2: yep and then uh and then as they're walking off jeremy's just like jesus they're gonna make marriage mincemeat out of him
3: <laughs> yes um and then we meet jamie properly yep. the brother and it becomes clear why jeremy's been invited to the weekend because jamie is clearly an odd guy yeah
2: this is such a funny fucking callback where Jamie just walks up to Jeremy and he goes, "I loved Outrageous," and Jeremy, <laughs> and Jeremy just looks at him and he's like, "The hell are you talking about?" And he's like, "Yeah, your your track Outrageous," and and Jeremy's just like, "Oh, yeah, okay." And then Jamie is trying to like strike up a conversation with Jeremy and he's like, "Oh, have you ever been to the Big Chill?" And Jeremy's like, "No," and he goes, "I I went two years ago. I treat to, tried to sneak four beers in." But the security guard <laughs> yeah. came up to me to confiscate him, although I don't think it was a security guard. And then my dad picked me up. and
3: <laughs> Yeah, and Jeremy's face is a picture throughout this.
2: Yeah, and I really hate when people do this, when they start telling you a story and you think that there's a point to the story. But then the story mm. just ends and they're like, oh, and it yeah. was really funny. And you're like, oh, that doesn't really sound funny. That sounds boring as hell.
3: Yeah, the look on Jeremy's face as well when the big two is mentioned. Um, it, it makes me laugh because I'm sure you've seen the extras in on the season one DVD where he makes his video will, and he there's a whole bit is really funny where he talks about how he doesn't give his permission for his image to be used posthumously at the big chill because he went and it was shit, <laughs> and he only gives it he only gives permission for his image in hologram form to be used uh, posthumously at Glastonbury, <laughs> and <laughs> and it's really good so. For a Peep Show geek, there's a little kind of you see his face with a big chill, and it's like, oh yeah, Jeremy hates the big chill.
2: Oh, yeah, see, I didn't even make that connection, but that just makes it Mm. even funnier. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, all of a sudden, like you said, he realizes he realizes why he was here. He was here to take care of Jamie. Yeah, he's
3: at the kids' table.
2: Some parts of this episode don't really resonate with me as much as I think that they probably should, but this scene really cracked me up. We've got Ian, Mark, Jeremy and Jamie, and they're all just kind of walking through the countryside and they all have guns except for Jamie and um, Ian is telling them, you know, like, anybody who's standing behind me, keep your gun pointed to the ground, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um,
3: it's a very country scene. It's not something I'm familiar with. It's the sort of thing I've only ever seen in films, but I hope the country is really like this with men in wax jackets and, and rifles and pheasants.
2: Yeah. They shoot blackbirds, trespassers, and eventually, because of the EU themselves.
3: EU themselves, yeah.
2: Um, Jamie is still kind of just endlessly telling Jeremy stupid fucking stories, and uh,
3: yes, he tells him that he went to Warwick for a term, but he left because they were all a bunch of fakers, and he doesn't care. But he still got the bag they gave him fresh Freshers week, it... and he'll show him the bag later.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty cool bag, from what I hear. <laughs>
3: yeah and jeremy again his face is just like the fuck
2: yeah um he tries to engage in like actual normal conversation and he asks jamie where his gun is um ian ian just instantly says oh he doesn't shoot and mark like very earnestly is like oh right do you not believe in and before he can even finish jamie just says i'm not allowed
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's like and I think Mark even thinks, doesn't he, don't ask, don't ask why, or is it Jeremy that thinks don't ask, but no, it's Mark, either way, yeah. yeah, we as the audience are like, yeah, don't ask, don't want to know. Yeah, he
2: says, don't ask, yeah, don't ask why, don't ask, don't tell. Um, <laughs> at this point, Jamie kind of walks off a little bit, and Jeremy's just like, oh, I see why I'm here, I'm Jamie's little bum boy for the weekend, and... Um,
3: yeah, he calls himself the bum boy or the fluffer. Really enjoyed that. Bum boy is not an expression I've heard for years and really laughed at It's something my dad would say. It's a really unpolitically correct thing to say. And, um, and of course, fluffer is just it's a very funny image.
2: Yeah, it and it's really true. It's really the reason...
3: Oh, yeah, it's exactly what he is. He is the fluffer.
2: Yeah, it is 100% the reason that he is there is because they need somebody to keep taking uh, to take care of Jamie.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, they shoot their guns, and Mark manages to hit a pheasant, which he's really proud of himself for. And he's, <laughs> like, you can see, like a child, like, he's really pleased that he's done it. And Jeremy just says scathingly, oh, well done, you have killed a sentient being. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um, unfortunately for Mark, he did, he only winged the quail. He didn't actually, uh, he didn't actually kill it. So,
3: yeah, it's um it's still sort of writhing when he when they when it hits the ground.
2: I thought this part was really funny because the props department should really give themselves a hand here because the quail is fucking hilarious. Like it looks real and then it is like it but it's like twitching and shit. It's yeah. so goddamn funny.
3: And um Ian tells Mark that he's got to finish it off. So Mark goes to try and shoot it, and he's like, no, don't shoot it, like, strangle it. So Mark picks it up and then just pulls the head clean off the body, and the blood spurted <laughs> out, and it's grim.
2: Oh, this is so funny. Mark Mark um, initially puts the gun, like, God, probably, like, six inches away from the from the bird, and is just getting ready to shoot it again. And uh, Ian is just like, no, God, don't shoot it. And um, he's like, you've got to wring its neck, and Mark just looks like terrified but i've got to be honest with you i fucking wouldn't know how to ring a bird's neck like i don't think it would have been the hugest thing ever for mark to go yeah i'm sorry i don't really know how to ring a bird's neck i mean he's a city city guy
3: yeah exactly he's a townie he's not done this before cut him some slack i'm sure it'd be fine to shoot in the head what's the worst that could happen
2: yeah And so, um, anyways, so he twists the head and he just twists it a little too hard. Um, he twists it just a little too hard and just rips the head right off. And holy God, it is so fucking funny. Oh my God. Yeah.
3: And the look on his face and the blood's going on him and he just looks appalled.
2: Yeah. Um, at this point, Sophie just like kind of comes over and it's like, I brought tea and coffee for the huntsman and and jeremy's what does he say like uh oh uh, uh, no
3: tea for the beast master thanks he <laughs> feasts on the blood of his prey yeah
2: and mark <laughs> just looks absolutely terrified and he's just like completely covered in blood it's yeah really really funny scene the quail is great the props department should just give themselves a giant hand here
3: props to the props department yeah
2: yeah uh <laughs> next scene we're at a pub called the round bush um ian hands mark a beer and he goes this beer has a nice soft head to it but i'm sure you'll see to that in a hurry which (laughs) goddamn, really made me laugh
3: yeah and it's clear this has probably been going on all afternoon probably head jokes have been being done for the last sort of five hours
2: (laughs) yeah uh sophie tells sophie tells her dad to just kind of chill chill out a little bit here and you know um
3: yeah leave it alone it was horrible
2: yeah um Mark is also still wearing his leather, his new leather jacket with zippers on it, and a T-shirt. It also looks like he's wearing jeans, which is totally unMark-like.
3: Very unMark. He looks very uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, Sophie at this point kind of stands up from the table and she reveals that she's leaving and that this was kind of a just arrangement for her and, and Ian or for Mark and Ian, excuse me, to have um to have uh, a a night together to kind of get to know each yeah, other. Yeah, get to
3: know you. Yeah. And um, she says that she's going to take Jamie to a pub in Guildford because he reckons that they're going to let him play one of his songs after the band have been on, which is again tells you about Jamie and his aspirations into music.
2: Ian and Mark have a very funny scene here that I'm just going to go ahead and play. Oh, shit. Oh, no.
1: So? I have very little to say to my closest friends. What the hell am I going to say to a fully grown man for a whole night? You're the man who's going to marry my Sophie. That's me, all right. Probably. And you love her? Uh huh, y- yes, I do, sir. Ugh, sir. This isn't Tennessee, Mark. Because that's all I care about. Because if there's one little crack of doubt, and after 30 years, well, never get older. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah, that, that's good advice. Oh, God, here we go. He's got no-one else to talk to but the sheep and the trees. This is what happens if you live too far from proper franchised coffee outlets. You need the love, Mark, because the physical stuff, that goes, inevitably. That all goes. Well, that's good, because me and Soph, it's, you know... ..love. Or my fear of loneliness and her strong desire to get pregnant by almost anyone so long as it happens this year. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I really like how Ian and Penny are kind of the um future version of Mark and Sophie.
3: Yeah, they definitely are. It's definitely clear that they married in haste as well. So, they've been repenting at leisure for probably the last 40 years.
2: Yeah, it really cracks me up. Um you see you see Mark kind of realizing that if he gets married to um that if he gets married to to Sophie that he's going to be Ian in 10 years
3: yeah I always have a problem a little bit with this in terms of and this is true of the whole situation with Mark and Sophie that he makes this comment doesn't he He thinks that the reason that they get married is because of his loneliness and her strong desire to get pregnant by anyone as long as it happens in the next year or this year and he Mark never ever expresses any desire to have a child he doesn't seem like the sort of person that should be having a child this doesn't seem to be entered into his decision whether to marry her or not but he clearly knows that she's going to try and get pregnant immediately and it doesn't seem to bother him very much i think it would i'm sure it would bother him more if he were if this was real
2: yeah yeah he he definitely never you know he never shows any desire to have a child so it's weird that this is kind of the reason that he's wanting to stay with Sophie. Yeah, I agree with you. 100%. Yeah, it's like it
3: doesn't seem it doesn't seem to scare him enough that she's gonna immediately try and have a baby with him because he should be much more scared of that than he is. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he seems like to just be very nonplussed about the whole thing. That.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's not taking any responsibility for his own life here, is he? No, no. Nope,
2: nope, he sure is not, and no. we just kind of see that happening more and more. The, pretty much the entire theme of this season is people trying to talk Mark out of getting married and Mark just being committed to the cause for better or for worse.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, now we get Jeremy back at, um, at uh, Ian and Penny's house. And the one thing that like, so when the scene first starts, you see Jeremy walking through a door and he's got a bathrobe on and it's clear that he has nothing on underneath the bathrobe. Mm-hmm. I really find that's weird to do in somebody else's house. Like, especially because now we find out that he's in the kitchen with Penny. Penny is cooking and he's just hanging out in his bathrobe. Like, I don't know. I, I just think that's so fucking strange.
3: I don't know. I guess it's not really any different to being in your pajamas. And I suppose if you'd, it was nighttime, maybe he'd had a shower. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's odd to put some pants on. But I'm... I'm not, it's not the weirdest thing about this scene, by any stretch of the no, imagination. No,
2: no. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, this is very low on the uh, <laughs> the weirdness scale. But
3: I guess Jeremy hasn't got many inhibitions, has he? That's clear throughout. So, no, I wouldn't wear a dressing gown and nothing underneath to hang out with my mate's fiance's mum or dad. Uh, but oof, he's a weird guy. He does weird things.
2: Yeah, um... <laughs> she uh penny tells jeremy that it's nice that that jamie has a friend and um jeremy's just like oh um we just watched lion king and fat boy slim dvds
3: <laughs> yeah exactly it seems to think that friend is a strong word for, for what he and jamie are yeah
2: uh penny at this point tells jeremy that they have two cars already and that she would give him nana's old VW Golf with the provision that he comes and visits Jamie. Jeremy's really excited about this, uh, you know, free car. Except it does have strings—quite a lot of strings. But I'll just ignore the strings. He's not
3: thinking about the strings, yeah. And um, so, yeah, he's—I mean, given this golf on the proviso that he comes and visits Jamie, and then she says he asks what she's making because she's clearly cooking something,
2: and she's making Blair resignation jam. And from here, we will pretty much play this scene. There is like a visual component to the scene that is very funny. But uh, yeah, we'll just go ahead and play the rest of it here. So what you making, Mrs. C?
3: Just some Blair resignation jam.
2: Oh, right, Blair. Yeah, I
0: see. Nice.
3: I theme my jams. Makes them more fun.
0: Cool. Very cool. Do you like jam? Yep.
1: Yes. Sometimes I feel like I could do with a friend
0: out here. Yeah, that's, it's good to have a friend.
1: Have a proper taste.
0: Suck mummy's finger. Do I suck the finger? Good. Mm, very good. I mean, I've got a girlfriend.
1: Try to die in memorial strawberry.
0: Okay, I'm finger sucking. Is this wrong? Maybe this is totally normal. Maybe this is what they do in the country. Good.
1: You like it, don't you?
0: Yes, I do like it. Try this. Maybe she just likes having her fingers sucked. I mean, I don't mind, but eventually it's going to get cloying.
1: I expect you've noticed that Ian's a little older than me. He used to enjoy doing lots of things that he doesn't like doing anymore.
0: No, yeah, I'm I'm sure.
1: So, there you are. I'm a woman. Indeed. And you're a man.
0: Technically, Mm mm-hmm, yes.
3: So what are you going to do about that?
0: okay, it's not going to be just the jam. So what am I going to do? It's almost like a moral decision, but not really, because no one will find out.
2: <laughs> uh, I just love that Jeremy's Jeremy doesn't think that it's a moral quandary for him to have sex with Sophie's mother because nobody will ever find out.
3: No, with Sophie's married mother, it's just grim. It's so grim. And even for Jeremy, I think this is a low point.
2: Yeah, I think so too. But this just goes back to what we talked about way 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 back in i don't even remember what episode it was where we talk about how jeremy's dick always does the thinking and he never really
3: oh yeah when he when he shagged tony when he was married yeah yeah he has no control over his sexual
2: i think you said he has no control over his sexual destiny
3: no that's exactly what i did say and that's exactly true and we see that again
2: here yeah uh we now see that mark has shaved off his goatee (sighs) and he couldn't be happier jeremy jeremy and mark are sharing a bed bedroom together and it's got these like little single beds in there jeremy appears to be nude in his bed which i was just like okay i mean they have lived together for a while it doesn't shock me that you know he would
3: don't we see don't we see right in episode one series one doesn't isn't he start walking naked and mark thinks something like he literally doesn't give a solitary shit like jez i think jez walks around the flat naked all the yeah time.
2: so it's probably not like a huge deal to him but um, again, they start talking about the wedding and, um, you know, Mark Mark agrees that he's going to call the wedding off, but he just wants to find a place with nice surroundings, flowers, coffee and sedatives, medical assistance too, and music.
3: Yeah, and uh, Jeremy says that all sounds great. Where's he going to find this magical musical medical breakup hospital? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, at this point there's a knock on the door and, and Mark is just like, jesus pretend you're sleeping pretend you're sleeping and uh so they start like fake snoring but penny just opens the door anyways and um mark is just like oh yeah um we're practicing sleeping i'm just teaching jeremy (laughs) some techniques and penny just she has this kind of like lewd look on her face and she's like oh he's got plenty of techniques and
3: yeah and mark realizes that they've slept together yeah
2: and he's so upset with jeremy here and He's just—he tells Jeremy, he's just like, "Don't smile at me with that smutty smile. You are not James Bond." And Jeremy just kind of looks over and he's like, "Ah, uh, yes, but I am James Bond."
3: <laughs> yeah, and Mark is appalled with this quite rightly so, and he says that she's not, she's not off Hollyoaks. She probably had a ration book, which I think is a great line.
2: Yeah, it, this scene is so goddamn funny right here with just them kind of real especially with like the slow realization of that mark has that jeremy like slept with sophie's mom
3: <laughs> yeah is it's, it's brilliant and mark is rightly appalled and david mitchell plays that with absolute pin precision it's so funny
2: yeah i would be pretty i'd be pretty upset too if if my friend hooked up with my fiance's married mother so he has every right to to be upset
3: yeah, that would be like my best friend sleeping with Bill's dad. And that's the most disgusting thing. One of the most disgusting things I can imagine.
2: <laughs> um, they are, next scene, they are in a field somewhere. Ian has this really nice metal detector. I always wanted a metal detector as a kid because I just thought if you had a metal detector, you were going to find treasure and it'd be the shit.
3: Um, you know what you'd probably enjoy is the detectorist that was another that was another comedy that was on bbc4 um about two metal detectors in rural essex it's very very funny it doesn't sound funny at all but you'd if you if you like the idea of metal detecting and finding treasure you would love that show
2: yeah uh, speaking of shows that we've been watching there's a show on american netflix called very british problems have you heard of the show before
3: um so i read the book very british problems i'm guessing it's based on that it was like it was like a collection of website articles about british problems
2: yeah the first episode is about um basically like the like communication between uh british people and how you know like inviting like rules for inviting people over to your house and is pretty funny
3: i'll have to look at that it's always it's always funny to laugh about weird things british people do. we are a bit odd
2: yeah again and i know we've said this before our two countries have such, you know, have a common history together, obviously, as much as it hurts me to say it, you, you know, England is responsible for the United States, so... We definitely uh, are. I mean, for better or for worse. We sort of
3: still own you, yeah. What's that? We sort of still own you. <laughs> I kind of feel that most British people think that you all think you're free, but, you know, really, are you? <laughs> We've still got you on the back burner. Uh, like, you know, I've heard um, so often this said, and I think it's true that uh, British people, despite the fact that we speak the same language as you, we've got far more in common with Europeans. And it's something we maybe we don't want to admit, particularly in the light of Brexit. But I think it's true. I think that a lot of our customs are quite different.
2: Yeah, and that's that's something that I've just come to discover doing this podcast with you. Is we have such a we have a shared culture, but our current cultures are completely different from each other
3: i once heard actually because british people and australians seem to have a lot more in common and i once heard it said that it only took one american in a room to make british people and australians realize how much they've got in common <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh that's really funny I think that's pretty i'm sure true. <laughs> our i'm sure our australian crowd will get a kick out of that
3: yeah yeah
2: um so anyway so they're they're using the metal detector and ian has these big like really really thick headphones on and jeremy just kind of is like hey how come you haven't told told sophie that you love her and mark is just like jeremy be quiet um jeremy points out that ian has thick headphones on and can't hear and just to prove his point he calls ian a quote big fox hunting badger baiting tweet shirt bumfuck homophobe
3: <laughs> yeah and uh mark uh, ian then takes his headphones off and they think that uh, they, they panic because they think he's heard, but actually he's just found a bit of metal. Yep,
2: he found a little bottle cap.
3: Yeah. Um, and then uh, they carry on talking, and Mark says that he may not really love Sophie, but Charles didn't really love Diana, and they were all right,
2: <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, uh, at, at this point uh, uh, Ian takes the headphones off, and he turns around, and he's like, what? You don't really love Sophie? And Mark's just like, oh what no i I don't know what you're talking about uh yeah
3: yeah and he's trying to fudge it and then he turns ian turns to jeremy and says that he may be a badger he may be a homophobe he's no badger yeah i i like
2: that i like that he is perfectly okay being a homophobe homophobe
3: yeah he's got no concept of that i mean i even went to say it the wrong way around because i think it'd be worse to be a homophobe would be a badger baiter. Not that, I, not that I think either are great, but you know, if I had to choose, I'd probably say I care less about the badgers than than, than gay people. But he has got no, there's not even a flicker that he shouldn't be a homophobe. Yeah, he's a homophobe. But what are you going to do? Yeah,
2: I love how he says that without even thinking about it. He's just like, Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even blink. I, I may be a homophobe, but I am not a badger baiter. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because I know that when we first talked about badger baiting, we talked about how this is like jeremy's like idea that of what rich people do and it always cracks me up in this episode especially in this episode when he talks about it because it it again is just he just thinks that that's what country people do they they badger bait
3: yeah yeah this is what goes on in the country
2: yeah um then we get into a scene later where it's the three of them again, Ian, Mark, and Jez, and they're sitting in Ian's barn, and they, they've got, like, a little like a little fire going in the barn, and they're sitting around drinking a bottle of booze, and, um...
3: Yeah, and Ian's getting proper pissed yeah. at this point. Mark and Jeremy aren't, aren't really drunk at all, but he is getting gattered, and he says that he's glad that Mark is going to uh, break things off because it takes guts to do that rather than get involved in something that's not right. Yeah,
2: And, uh... Um, Mark's been saying, um, you know, and then he tells Mark that that takes a lot of balls. Um, one other little th- comment that Ian makes in the scene that I really like is he says that the barn is full of useless crap and that, th- or uh, full of crap nobody has any use for, and that's why he feels so at home in the barn. <laughs> yeah. uh, he also reveals that he knows his wife is cheating, and the funny part on this is just the way that he says it. He's just like, you know, oh, I know that Penny is cheating on me and I know who the culprit is Jeremy and um and Jeremy just is like what no uh uh and Mark tries to change the subject and uh you know he's just like sometimes people do things that are stupid and impulsive but you shouldn't and um then uh Ian just goes it's Dan Dan fucking Walker
3: <laughs> yeah, and Jeremy immediately latches onto this because he wants he wants the, the heat to be off him, so he starts goading Ian and into <laughs> you know we need to punish Dan, punish Dan. Yeah,
2: I really. Uh, Ian makes a really funny joke in this scene where he's like, "Oh, she's probably been doing the curtains at Dan's house. Oh, you lot g- should go out so I can ram Dan. It was Ramadan at my place, but he's no Muslim." <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. The way he says Ramadan
2: is really amusing. Yeah, and uh his anger starts to build. Of course, Jeremy feeds into this anger to deflect away from his own guilt, but Mark is just like, No no, no, we shouldn't do that, we shouldn't do that and but Yeah. Jeremy and, and Dan uh or Jeremy and Ian excuse me, uh are the voices of of strength in this scene and they kind of overpower yeah. Mark's wishes to not mess with yeah. Dan
3: they decide to go
2: and burn the bat barn yeah um this next scene is is really really funny where they're they're standing outside of dan's barn and mark is just desperately he's like oh you could post something awful about him on the internet or blank him at the post that'll really show him how you feel and ian isn't in the mood for this passive aggressive bullshit he just wants to go aggressive aggressive and he tells mark to light a molotov cocktail and then he, <laughs> yeah and then he just chucks it at the barn and the barn just instantly catches on fire and for the rest of the scene like ian is standing in front of the barn with like his silhouette in flames and then jeremy and mark are talking to each other
3: <laughs> yeah and then um, mark is arguing with jeremy about how jeremy never faced up his responsibilities and that he needs to he needs to you know admit what he's done and jeremy is just like you're mental you're about to dump his daughter i've shagged his wife if tonight is going if a bit weird really bloody well for us actually
2: yeah uh mark is mark at this point is like oh my god we're (laughs) arsonists but then he's like oh you know maybe burning maybe in the country just this is how they deal with problems and jeremy's just like right exactly i nick your milk you burn my barn down
3: Yeah, and uh, Mark thinks that this is not what he expected of the weekend. He expected to be playing Simpsons Monopoly, but instead he's become an arsonist. Yeah,
2: Um, and then, of course, in a great little ending line from this, Mark just goes, Oh my god, I'm a fire starter, a twisted fire starter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It makes me wonder, and I'm sure somebody has probably done this before, I wonder if anybody's ever done a video for Firestarter, but... Every before every time Liam Hallett's about to say that line that they just insert Mark saying it.
3: That would actually be really funny. I bet someone has done it. Someone needs to tweet us the link to that if you know what that is.
2: Yeah. I hope I hope that this is a thing that's been done. If not, please make sure this is a thing that gets done.
3: Yeah, some someone do it. Someone with the technical know how. Make that happen, please.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. I bet I could do it if nobody else has already done it before. Like don't, All right, Ch- challenge extended. Don't, don't Go on. Don't fucking insult me.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> next scene, we have Jez, uh, Mark, and Jez, and then Sophie and her family, and they're just kind of toddling down the street. They're not really walking any, you know, at any sort of like blistering pace whatsoever.
3: No, they're wandering around a very quaint looking chocolate box country street with a cobbled street and it's all very pretty and there's a few different conversations going on um they jeremy starts it off by thinking that he is a motherfucker that is literally what i am and jamie is creeping up to him about london and talking about how awesome london is
2: yeah yeah in it
3: and he asks him what the king's road is like (laughs) and jeremy's like yeah it's awesome it's got Pret and it's got verge express it's got massive gap and, um, and Jamie's just like, oh, yeah, he's so impressed by everything that Jeremy's saying. Yeah,
2: it's funny, because in this scene it becomes clear that that Jamie really thinks that Jeremy is, like, hotter shit than he actually is.
3: Yeah, and then uh, Jeremy's thinking, I bet he thinks that I'm his way into the music business. And then he's like, but you can't come into the music business because the music business is full. Yep.
2: Um, Sophie, at this point, Mark wishes Sophie a happy birthday, and he tells her that this is going to be a memorable Birthday, um, especially because he plans on breaking up with her. Um, Sophie wonders what happens to his beard, and Mark says his razor slipped. Uh, this is actually a thing that has happened to me, um, where I went to go shave my beard, and I forgot to put the razor guard on the on my clippers.
3: Right, so you just took a lump out. Yeah, of I it. just took
2: a lump out of it, and I was like, oh my god. And so then I had to try to even it out, but I really couldn't even it out. And so, yeah, so then I just ended up being clean shaven. And then my wife came home and she just looked at me and she was like, what did you do? What did you do? (laughs) Yeah,
3: we, uh... We had a similar thing. So my husband has a beard, mainly because he looks about 12 underneath the beard. And when he first started teaching, he realised that he had to grow a beard just to not look like one of the kids. So he grew this beard. And when I was pregnant with our elder daughter, he had a similar razor slip incident and ended up not quite clean shaven, but with much less of a beard. And he looked 14. And I was like, you need to do something about that because I'm not having a baby with a 14 year old. Like People (laughs) will ask questions
2: oh poor phil so yeah he, he's he
3: got he's got the beard he's keeping the beard until he's at least like 50 and then he'll hopefully look 50 underneath the beard yeah i
2: have a real baby face too when i don't have my beard on it, or when i don't have my beard on it sounds like it's a fucking fake beard but um <laughs> yeah. yeah i have a real baby face when i don't have a beard either so it is weird when i i shave my beard i do look substantially younger than 36 yeah
3: when you work i mean when you're working in a in a school for the children it's especially at this point when phil was first doing it he was only 22 so it's probably best to not look like you could be one of the students that's not going to give you the authority needs. right right <laughs> um
2: at this point jamie walks up to jeremy and he asks jeremy if he's listened to his track yet and um and uh he's like oh it's probably shit but if you get high it might sound all right um uh,
3: yeah, and Jeremy's just like, oh, you can see the eye roll,
2: yeah. just like, fuck off. Um, we get to kind of where they're going, and it's a house with like a giant bow and a, a giant bow, um, yeah, like a bow, I guess is. Yeah, on
3: the across the front of yeah. the house,
2: and they're like, oh, here's your here's your birthday gift. It's nan or your wedding gift. It's Nana's cottage, and Marcus is just like, oh, oh. Oh, and so all of a sudden he's (laughs) way more interested in getting married to Sophie now.
3: Yeah, he's suddenly, there's some real estate involved and he's not quite as upset as he would have been about the marriage, which paints Mark in a worse light than I wanted him to be. I kind of was disappointed in him in that.
2: Yeah, I was a little disappointed in him too, but he, you know, I mean, he has the right idea, which is where they, you know, fix it up do a quick sale get a flat in barcelona and a house in the ardennes um you know she can have the flat and he can live in our the ardennes and they'd hardly see each other so you know this is actually a best case scenario for him
3: yeah but it's still him profiting immorally from someone else's dead nan not called mark
2: that is true that is true yeah Uh, yeah
3: um they, uh, he thinks that maybe the house will need some sort of, uh, looking at. He says Nana probably needs the roof and the, <laughs> and the, the stone wall looking at or something like that. But he is very, very happy. Yep.
2: He is very happy with this house. And I gotta say, yeah, I would be very, very happy with that house as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a nice, I'd love someone to just give me a
2: house. Oh, a house and a fucking car? I mean, Jesus, like,
3: yeah, not not bad. They've done pretty yeah, well Yeah, the this. old
2: dude brothers make off like fucking bandits in this episode.
3: When my nan died, I think we had I think she left like, I don't know, a table and chairs, some photo albums and some debt. That was all we got out of when my nan died. It was uh, there was no house, there was no Nana's cottage.
2: We get back to Sophie's parents house and this scene is really really funny. I really wanted to put the audio of this scene in here especially the birthday part, but the birthday part is so visual. I highly just Google Sophie's birthday and you'll see it. It's very funny.
3: It's very funny. She's coming down the stairs in kind of a medieval princess headdress and she's coming down the stairs to happy birthday by the altered images. Um, and it, it makes me laugh. Not, it was funny, but it always makes me laugh as well because I wasn't there, but my best friend's sister, her 18th birthday, they had a little bash for the family and apparently she made a big point of coming down the stairs to, I think it was Beyonce's, the big, the, the crazy in love oh, okay. that, that she came down to the stairs to that. So she had like a grand entrance and it always makes me laugh because that's hilarious. Like, that's crazy and sophie's basically doing the same
2: thing uh the the song is just like happy birthday happy birthday and everybody is like jamie is like dancing ian and penny are clapping (laughs) mark and jeremy are just looking at each other like what the fuck is going on here it's super funny it's
3: also really funny as well because every family has got like weird shit they do i think and when you're not in that family you kind of like side eye whoever's with you so I know there are things that my family do that Phil is just like, what is this? i like, so confused by. And similarly things happen in other families that you just think yep. this is bizarre. So when you're in other people's celebrations, like birthdays or weddings or whatever, it is really funny. Yeah.
2: You just kind of roll with it and, you know, you don't really think about how weird it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jamie yeah. comes up to Jeremy and he's asking Jeremy about the track and Jeremy lies and says he did listen to the track and, Uh, Jamie's like, oh, what's your, what's your favorite part? And Jeremy's just like, oh, the lyrics. And Jamie's just like, but, but there is no lyrics. But, and Jeremy just doesn't even, you know, like, he just ignores it, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then drunk Ian starts to get a bit leery. He's a bit pissed. And he says, he starts asking Mark when he's going to end it. And Mark's like, he's had a change of heart. And Ian twinks it's because of the
2: cottage. And uh, at this point, the phone rings as well and uh, Penny leaves to go answer the phone. Um, Mark and Ian are having this conversation about, you know, telling Sophie and um, Sophie comes over and she's like all excited that Mark and Ian are talking. And she's just like, oh, what are you guys talking about?
3: (laughs) Yeah. And then Ian starts off on another general rant about Dan as Penny comes back into the room and Penny's clearly very cross with him and ian then just drops the bomb of he doesn't love you he doesn't really want to marry yeah.
2: you yeah um i really like this she comes in and she's like oh uh penny comes back in the room and she's like oh dan's barn burned down and they think it's arson and sophie's <laughs> just like oh that's so sad poor dan and then ian's just like boo hoo poor dan <laughs> uh and yeah. then he's you know he accuses penny of sleeping with dan and then Mark changes the subject and asks if anybody wants to play a game of Risk but Ian <laughs> Ian doesn't want to play Risk no 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 he wants to play the no. truth game and
3: yeah and he's, he says Mark doesn't want yeah, to play
2: and let's just hear how that that goes and how about you Mark? me?
1: tell us the truth the, the truth? you can handle the truth tell everyone come clean about you and Sophie Do you know, I fancy a a nap, a a nice, relaxing nap. Tell them you don't want to marry her. Mark? That is a a terrible thing to say. Tell the truth. The truth. The the truth is that I love Sophie very much, and and I'm very much looking forward to marrying her. You, Mark, are a greedy little fool. Well, I may be many things, but at least I'm not a barn burner. (gasps) Right. Thank you. He did it. He he made me and Jeremy watch so we'd be accessories to the crime. But I'm breaking down your wall of silence, Ian. Even if you did threaten to break my fingers. Is this true?
0: Well, I I did see him throw a petrol bomb. But I thought that might be a
1: joke. You backstabbing little shit! I'm I'm sorry, Sophie, that that wasn't true. It's not your fault. He gets like this. Yes, he, he has gone like a bit of a maniac. In fact, I think it's probably time you took your leave, Ian.
3: Yes. Why don't you piss off up to bed and leave me to pick up the pieces as usual?
1: Sod you all! Okay, in a way, I've made a good impression. I mean, it wasn't me who set fire to the barn or screwed Penny. In fact, I'm winning. I'm getting half a rural cottage, and all I have to do is enter a loveless husk of a marriage.
2: So, <laughs> yeah, I really like that part. And, again, we see kind of future Mark if, you know, uh, what will happen to Mark if he gets married to Sophie in this scene. he's
3: Yeah, he's really immoral here and grim. He manages to pass off what Ian is saying, which is the truth, as being part of a delusional drunk man's rantings. And he, I think this is maybe the worst we ever see Mark behave. He's horrible
2: here. You know, I, I don't know. I agree with you on one hand that he is being very horrible in this scene, but I mean, is he really being that bad?
3: Yes, he's he's changed his whole. He's turned on an absolute sixpence. He's changed his whole reason. But Marion's he doesn't he didn't want to marry Sophie. He knows he doesn't love her, but he's completely revised that opinion because she's got a house.
2: I don't know. I mean I think the house is a bonus, but I don't think the house is the sole reason that he's doing it.
3: I'm not so sure. I'm seeing a much darker side to to Mark in this rewatching than I've seen before. I don't I don't like him here at all and his his jumper is also shit. That
0: bothers me.
2: <laughs> um, But, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely can understand what you're saying. I mean, like, but I think that that's part of Mark's appeal is that he just, like, is, he knows what the right thing to do is, but he just can't fucking do it.
3: No, no, he definitely can't do it. He's, yeah, he's incapable of doing it, and... I feel a little bit sorry for Ian here, I have to say, because Ian is only telling the truth after
2: all. Yeah, and yeah, Mark does a good job of basically making Ian look like a fucking complete mental case in this scene.
3: Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. So, bad Mark. I don't like Mark
2: here at all. Yeah. Um, so, when we get the final scene and they are kind of outside the house and um, they're packing up the VW Golf to head back to London, um, you know, uh, one thing that I thought when I watched this scene, I, I guess I had forgotten that Jeremy was ever gifted a car. Do we ever see this car again?
3: Yeah, we do. Um, when, spoilers ahead, when uh, Sophie goes into labor with uh, little Ian, that that's the car that's being driven, isn't it? That's the, driven, the, the car they've driven down to Elena's wedding.
2: Oh my fucking God, you're right. I think that's also the car that yeah. they used to get to Mark's wedding, now that I think about it
3: yeah yeah i'm sure it is yeah we do see it again definitely i don't know where they keep it but it's it definitely is seen again
2: wow crazy um sophie tells mark that she's gonna stay with her mom for a few days because ian's gone to go stay with his sister for a little while um
3: yeah and mark thinks am i evil i don't feel evil it's a nice cottage he did burn the barn maybe i've gone on the edge i no longer (laughs) know right from wrong he
2: definitely is evil this is despicable um let's see here um uh penny slides jeremy like some money for tells him it's for gas that that line really cracks me up
3: yeah she says get yourself a nice tank of
2: petrol yeah and then jeremy and she tells jeremy to come back soon and jeremy's just like yeah so your husband can murder me and your son can worship my stuffed corpse and then you can will me out for a fuck (laughs)
3: yeah and they drive off with jamie hanging off the driver's yeah. side window shouting that he wants to come to yeah london. that really cracks and... that part
2: really cracks me up because mark just looks at jeremy and he's like let's get the fuck out of here and jeremy's just like yeah yeah let's do and then as soon as they start driving off jamie just appears and he's like grabbing the open window and he's like take me to london with you take me to london with <laughs> yeah, you and, and i really
3: laughed i don't know if i'd ever noticed this before that jazz 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 bashes his fingers <laughs> He's like bashing his fingers to make him stop holding on to yeah, car. Yeah,
2: yeah, and then and then Jamie just like takes a tumble on the ground and is just laying there and then we get the end of the episode.
3: Yeah, with Jamie laying on the gravel. Yeah.
2: Um I know that you really liked this episode. I'll be honest, I thought this episode was just kind of eh for me. It wasn't really memorable a, a really memorable episode when I was thinking about it funny
3: isn't it because I really really like this always really liked it liked it again watching it again remember it as being very funny and still think it holds up um but obviously I've seen I think Mark is darker he was always dark I mean the episode's not changed but clearly my perception has changed um I think he's a sociopath here like completely evil Jeremy is despite the motherfucking he's the voice of reason in this episode more than once um And I feel very sorry for him being brought in as Jamie's fluffer. And I actually feel really sorry for Sophie. I feel like she's the land to the slaughter here. And Mark is like some evil and He's about to fuck her life right up.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, this is kind of... This season is the last season that we really get to see Sophie as we've kind of known her previous. Um, I really think no character gets shit on more this entire series than Sophie.
3: No, I agree with you, and I think that a lot of that is down to Mark, actually. I think Mark, looking back from a different perspective now, Mark ruined her life a little
2: yeah, bit. Yeah, he definitely does ruin yeah. definitely does ruin her life. Uh, excuse me, let me say that while I'm actually talking into the microphone. Yeah, he definitely does ruin her life, and yeah, will. of yeah. course, we don't know that at this point. Um, I remember when I was watching this, I actually thought he was going to go through the mar- with the marriage at this point. I was like, oh, I guess he's just going to gonna do it so good you, for him you know
3: how i knew they were never gonna like actually stay together and i'll talk about this more at the end of the season is there's no never any arrangement made for them to live together <laughs> <laughs> there is there's not is there and i said we saying this the whole time i remember saying this to people as we were watching it but there's no arrangement for them to live together so clearly clearly if they go through this marriage it's not going to work out because it's never said where they're going to live or how they're going to live or where jeremy's going to go
2: yeah i guess i never thought about that before considering
3: even right up to the episode where he's gonna get married jeremy's like oh shit like what am i gonna do it's like but he's not actually asked you to move out and he's not saying he's moving out like what's happening here
2: wow i never thought about that before that's kind of a big plot hole
3: (laughs) yeah maybe i'm living too relentlessly in the real world but this always bothered me and continues to bother me. no
2: i don't think you are i i i think that that is uh 100 percent an issue
3: yeah, yeah. Because even with the Nancy Visa wedding, it was established that Nancy was going to live with them, but it's never spoken that Sophie's going to come and live with them as a three. It's never spoken that Jeremy's going to leave so Sophie can move in. It's never said that Mark is going to move out with Sophie. Weird.
2: Yeah, and considering that, uh, what is it, Series 6 or 7 is the one where he, he's dealing with Dobby wanting to move in?
3: Yes, uh, Series 6. Seven or, eight, I yeah, can't, I yeah, seven. seven or eight yeah i think it's seven or eight i can't remember and i uh, i agree with you that that's like a massive deal in mark's life is that she's gonna move in and like it's a huge commitment and it's never spoken about with sophie so huh. plot hole
2: yeah mm. boy if i'd been reading the message if i'd been reading message boards and i would have seen this like crazy woman <laughs> i don't think they're gonna get married yeah. because they haven't talked about moving in together i'd just been like eh, she's fucking out of her mind
3: uh, shut up <laughs>
2: um yeah
3: they're always always yeah
2: um one thing that i do like about this episode is that it 100 percent shows you where the season is going like there's no doubt you know where these six episodes are headed
3: yeah definitely we know he's gonna go through the wedding whether or not the marriage is gonna work out or not and we, yeah, and that in itself is pretty funny in a sort of black kind of yeah.
2: way. That's that's one thing I think I, I would say about, that I don't like about Series 9, even though I know we're jumping ahead, like, eight months of podcasts. But, um, you know, Series 9, I felt like was two, two arcs of three episodes. But there's not really, like, I, I didn't really feel like that there was a complete you know story whereas i feel like this series there actually is an ongoing plot where you know it's the wedding and it starts it establishes in this episode where things are going and then in the actual episode the wedding it pays off of the prior six weeks and i i just didn't feel like i got that from series nine
3: no i i wonder if this was meant to be the end i wonder if they thought that that maybe they'd they thought they were lucky to have it commissioned for this, and this was going to be it, and maybe they felt like they had to sell the whole story in a, in a season because this was going to be the yeah. end
2: of it. I mean, spoiler alert, uh, I'll be honest with you, the wedding actually does feel like a series finale. Like It f-
3: mm, it does. It could easily yeah. be.
2: And, and to be honest, I don't think it would have been a bad series finale. It would have been funny.
3: No, no, I agree with you. I think that I think that might have been what they were... I think they might have thought that this was it. This was the end of it and that they had to complete it because it feels like a completion. Not to say that it doesn't, it doesn't continue to be good a lot of it, but season five sort of seems a bit like the beginning of act two. Yep. If, if it was a play, it'd be cut into two halves and series one to four would be one act and five to nine. Another act. I yep, think.
2: I would agree with that, but let's uh mm-hmm. in, in, in like 10 weeks when we're talking about wedding, let's, we should revisit this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got Peep show Culinary with our good friend Don yes. Taylor. I felt bad because he sent this to us last week while he was hunkering down from a hurricane. He sent this to us and I told him, oh yeah, we didn't need it this week. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, Donnie. Yeah, um, sorry, But I appreciate your hard work. Um, Don't worry, we're not going to feast on the blood of our prey like Beastmasters. no. This week will be considerably more enjoyable. Maybe even the tastiest peep show culinary yet. Mm, It's
3: a tasty one, actually, considering some of the rubbish we've had. This looks delicious. He
2: says, uh, get outdoors and fire up your grill because you'll have a marriage minced meat wedding burgers. Just think normal (laughs) delicious burgers, except grill them while you're saying poor bastard and feeling sorry for Mark or someone else you know who's getting married.
3: <laughs> to drink with your wedding burgers, have yourself either a nice tall glass of premium lager with a bit of a head on it, or a carton of Marsbell milk. And for dessert, your favourite flavour of Hagen does, you may be inclined to add some of Ian's Scotch whiskey to your Hagen does to make yourself a nice whiskey float. That does actually sound delicious. Although this doesn't mesh as well as uh, sorry, although this bit doesn't mesh as well with the rest of the milk, you will at some point need to consume some strawberry jam bonus points if someone gives it to you off a proper a proper taste off of their finger. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that actually doesn't sound too bad. Uh, no, quite. A
3: nice no, note, I, think I think so
2: too. I think so too. Um, so the uh, series finale of "People Just Do Nothing" was was uh, I guess technically when people are listening to it, it was last week. Um, how was Stags and Hens?
3: Stags and Hens was great. It was really funny, um, really really funny. But the finale, the um, the wedding, was even funnier. Still, it was honestly one of the funniest things i've seen in a long time we didn't stop laughing for the entire 30 minutes it was on it's just it's it is absolutely golden every there is not a scene wasted there isn't even a line wasted it's oh that's
2: fantastic all i've all i've heard all i saw from your tweets and i haven't watched the last two episodes yet was that chibutti gets a perm
3: yes joradi has got a perm that is absolutely on point it looks great and the uh and steves is wearing a school uniform in the church which is not it's never mentioned that he's wearing a school uniform no one alludes to it you just see him wearing the school uniform and i laugh for about 10 minutes
2: i bet chibutti g looks so fucking skeezy with a perm
3: <laughs> he's got like a veloury suit on as well like a wine colored kind of velveteen suit and he just looks like oh yeah like a sex offender now
2: is his perm is it does it like throw out or is it like a slicked back perm
3: so it's kind of like shaved at the sides and the top bit's like slicked down and then it's like curly it's awful it is the worst haircut i've ever seen like absolutely fair play to the hairdressing department for creating that
2: he already looks like a sex offender (laughs) but yeah Yeah, he definitely does Um, he definitely definitely sounds like a (laughs) sex offender
3: it's really, really funny. Definitely worth watching. If you've not been watching People Just Do Nothing, you must go and watch it. For This, this series has been absolutely brilliant.
2: Oh, man. That sounds incredible. I'm going to have to check that out.
3: Yeah. And the other thing I've been doing this week is I read This Is Gonna Hurt by Adam K., which is well worth your time. He, for those people that don't know Adam K., he was one half of the amateur transplants who were a comedy musical duo in this country who were notable for being actual medical doctors they met at medical school and uh, started doing like sort of satirical versions of songs often with a medical twist and they were brilliant i saw them loads of times in concert and um he has now written a book about he's not a doctor anymore but he's written a book about his time as a junior doctor in nhs hospitals in britain and it is it's fucking hilarious, and also just really well written and really touching. And he he sort of touches on some really, really sort of of the moment political points about the NHS, about medical care in general, and it is it's brilliant. It's so good, can't recommend
2: it highly enough. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. He retweeted your review of his book, right?
3: He did, yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and he is, uh, he's, he seems like a really nice guy. Like I say, he was. It was on the kind of in, like the music scene, doing these satirical things for years, and we used to go and see him in Balham. And then they kind of they got massive. They had um, the London Underground song, which went viral in about two thousand and five. And we used to go and see him in Balham, and then they got huge, and they did this um, this sellout tour that ended with a massive gig at the Indigo Two, which is like the smaller concert venue inside the O2 in London. And then they disbanded, and he gave up uh, medicine. And since then, he's been writing, he wrote a sitcom that was much underappreciated and very funny called Crim's. And he's been writing on loads of things. And now he's written this book and he just seems like a really nice guy. It's really clearly very naturally, very funny. And, um, and this book is like a culmination of all of that.
2: Oh, that sounds that sounds really cool. Um, sounds like a book. I yeah, might wanna... And it's not
3: it's not too hard going, despite it's quite heavy subject matter it's it's very funny and and he's just yeah like i say just obviously a very naturally gifted funny man yeah
2: that's awesome uh that's cool that he retweeted your review because i read your review and um well i shouldn't say i read it i apologize i skimmed through your review but
3: skimmed it it was a a great piece of writing that you skimmed come on i'm sorry
2: (laughs) i will i will take some time to read the full thing um laura's book reviews are fantastic she very very talented writer
3: Oh, thank you. I, it's uh, it's about my only skill. I'm not much of a talker, and I'm probably not much of a teacher, but I am quite a good writer, so there you go. And I love reading books, so it's nice to talk about them, and it's nice to chat with other people on Twitter about books. So. And
2: I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I've been listening to a new podcast. Uh, it's called The Dollop, and I'm sure that there's a lot of our American listeners maybe have potentially heard of this show before. Is It's quite popular right now.
3: Is this the one you were telling me about that condenses bits of yes. history for yeah for dummies? Yeah, it sounds yeah it's an
2: American history podcast, um, but it really focuses on kind of the more obscure parts of American history. Um, it talks about just kind of famous people, and I'll be honest, almost every episode has some sort of twist, or you start to think that it's headed in one direction, and then all of a sudden they swerve you like a completely different direction, but I have been listening to it like quite a bit since Sunday and I fucking love it. Um, even if you're not in American history or interested in American history, there's just listening to some of the crazy shit that used to happen in this world is it's really, it's really funny. Um, the two guys that are on the show have really good interplay with each other. Um, and it's a short podcast too for like the ground that they cover they usually the episodes clock in at pretty close to an hour so it's a fairly short podcast which can be nice sometimes
3: oh i'll have to i've I've downloaded it but i haven't listened to it yet because i'm currently listening to an audiobook about the duchess of cornwall which sounds boring as shit but it's actually quite interesting but i need something i need some light relief i need something funny so i'm gonna listen to that next
2: okay so i was i would recommend you can the episodes there's no like any sort of like sequential stuff um but kind of my favorite early episode is called competitive endurance tickling Um, yes
3: yeah you tell me about that because then you were telling me about the hbo documentary that you also watched yeah yeah yeah
2: so after you after you listen to competitive endurance tickling um i highly recommend finding the documentary tickled and it's they're good companion pieces to each other
3: Yeah, I will definitely do that. I definitely I thought that HBO documentary looked very interesting, so I will listen to that first so I understand what I'm watching.
2: Yep. And then uh, did we talk about this week's episode of Back... Oh, yeah, I guess we did. We talked about that earlier. Yes,
3: we did. Yeah, we talked about it at the start, didn't we? So, yeah, really looking forward to recording next week about that.
2: Yep. Uh, Well, next week we will have Backcast number two. If you guys do have any feedback for us about any of the series four peep show episodes or the next or episodes three and four of back we will be more than happy to take your feedback i i apologize that we we solicited and we actually got a decent amount of feedback for our first back cast but just because of the length of it we didn't really get a chance to read any of it so
3: no, I, we're actually on point with our length of today, though, considering that there's some stuff to edit out, and we're going to be, like, bang on an hour and a half, I think. So, well yep. done us. Well done us. Yeah, well done for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Look what happens when we keep the uh, fucking tangents off to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. All right, anything, then. Anything else that you've got for us before we head out?
3: No, I don't think so. It's been great. I'm really looking forward to talking about back next week and talking about the rest of Series 4.
2: Yep. All right. Well, this is the El Dude Brothers signing off. <laughs> 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 Goodbye. Thanks. I am in local
1: parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home-trained dentist. ay